Hi and welcome to the Via Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Pastor Jaren Nicholas sharing the word today from the book of Habakkuk. We pray that as you listen in, that you will find comfort and joy in waiting for God to show up in your life. Hello everyone. Uh, it is good to be back as usual. Um, so we are going to be continuing this, uh, what we call one-off sermons. Um, so you heard from the past couple of weeks what Tina and Gershom had to share. Um, Tina with the wilderness and uh, Gershom started out with the, the feelings of being forsaken as he was reading Psalm 22. And uh, even though these are one-off uh, Sermons, I think after I finish today, you will see that there is some kind of general theme that uh, God has been working out in the background. But uh, before I start and we get into it, uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer and then we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for bringing us together. Uh, Thank you. And as always, we are grateful that uh, we as Christians can meet here in your name, Lord, and that we can... Uh, meet in safety and that uh, we have the freedom to worship you, uh, to praise your name, Lord, and uh, to give you all the glory in every situation, Father. Now, Lord, as uh, I share what uh, I believe you've given me, I ask that you would give me the words to speak. Uh, you would give me the thoughts that I'm supposed to be thinking of as I speak, Lord, and that you would give me clarity and that uh, you would be the one that is uh, speaking through me, Lord. Father, help me to put aside Anything that comes up as a distraction and help me to be focused on what you have for what you have for us from your scripture, Lord. So, Father, help all of us hear what you have for us from uh, the book of Habakkuk in scripture that you've given us, Lord. So, Father, let your word penetrate us, Lord. Let it resonate within us, Lord, and uh, let it produce fruit. Let it produce fruit, Lord. And uh, we ask that uh, you would be present and that you would speak in the name of your Son. We pray. Amen. So um, today we are going to be looking at uh, the minor prophet Habakkuk. Uh, minor, not as in less important, just minor as in his book is just very short. It's three chapters compared to the major prophets that have long books like Isaiah and Jeremiah. So minor as in small book, but not minor as in the message he has for us today. So that is what we're going to be looking at. So as uh, Tina Gershom talked about that um, for the, that we just be sharing what God has put on our hearts or he's leading us to do, I was thinking about what I might be sharing. Uh, my mind went uh, straight to the book of Philemon in the New Testament. And then I realized the only reason I want to do that is because I've done it before. So it's kind of being lazy. And then as I was thinking more about it, um, uh, Habakkuk came to my mind because it has... One of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, the story behind how I heard these verses was uh, when we were back uh, at the pl- at church that we used to attend in the States, uh, one of our pastors shared this verse, and it was the first time I'd heard this that verse. I'd, I don't remember hearing these verses from childhood, so I was an adult probably about 32 years old, hearing these verses for the first time at least, that's or 31, hearing these verses for the first time. I, the verses are... Um, it's Habakkuk 3, uh, verse 17 through 18. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, 
and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. So this is the story. So he gets up in the pulpit and he's talking about his uncle. So he, this, my, his, his name is Pastor Marcus, Marcus Business. So he's from a family of farmers. Uh, they farm and uh, raise cattle. So he does not farm. He's in the ministry, but his family still farms. So his uncle that owns a farm, uh, there was a tragic accident where he lost his son in a farming accident. So at the funeral for his son that he is mourning and he has lost to this tragic event, he stands up. And this is what he recites at his son's funeral. And that image has always stuck with me that this man who is mourning the loss of his son, who in who is sad, uh, sorry, sad is probably not strong enough word, who is grieving, who is mourning, who might be questioning lots of things as to why this tragic event took place, why was the life of his son taken? He stands up and recites this and ending with yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. It, it is that story behind these verses that has always stuck with me. And since then, these verses, I feel like they've been branded into my brain because they always come to me many times. So as I was thinking about what to share, these verses came up and it felt like this was what I was supposed to do. So then I started reading up on the prophet Habakkuk and, um, found that it's a very interesting book. Um, as I started reading, kind of made me scared a little bit, but that's okay. Sometimes scripture can be scary. But as, as I was reading and studying, I think there is something in this for us, uh, for our church, for anybody we know. So we will read through most of the book but I will try to highlight certain things. So just wanted to give you a good overview of what the book is about. So <clears throat> let's start reading. Okay. So this is Habakkuk chapter one. <clears throat> I normally read everything in the NIV, but there are certain verses that um, I will also be reading from the ESV as well. So I might be toggling back and forth a little bit. So this is... Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Okay. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. Uh, I'm going to start out with, so in the ESV, it says the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. So pause there in verse 1 for just a moment. <clears throat> uh, oracle is probably closer to the original text. So oracle here, what does it mean? So oracle means uh, it, it is a weight or a burden, okay? So the passage immediately starts out with that uh, this weighty message or this burdensome message that the Habakkuk, uh, the prophet, saw. So it is a message that has weight. It is a message that uh, is like a burden. So it is if almost it is a weighty message, okay? <clears throat> so immediately we can know a couple things. So one that the scripture itself tells this is a heavy message that's coming. It's a weighty message. And two, there's something missing that many of the books of the prophets have. There's no biography about Habakkuk here. It gets straight into the message that has been given to Habakkuk. So <clears throat> here we get from scripture that at this point, 
who Habakkuk is doesn't really matter. Who his mom is, who his dad is, what town he's from, what his biography is, doesn't really matter. We have biographies of many prophets uh, in their books, but there is none given about Habakkuk. So what is really important is this message that he is giving out, this message that he is conveying to the people or to anyone that's reading. So this message that we're going to read in the next three chapters is the most important thing. It is a weighty message or it's a burdensome message, but it is a message for us. So right off the top, we know that this is important because all the scripture cares about right now is that this message is shared, uh, not about Habakkuk, the man himself, but just the message. So verse two, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So, uh, your Bibles may have labeled this part uh, Habakkuk's complaint, or we can further call it Habakkuk's first complaint because another one is coming. <clears throat> so, Habakkuk starts out saying, how long, O Lord? How many times have all of us felt, how long, O Lord, with anything going on in our lives, right? How long, O Lord? It's a very human expression when we're going through difficult things or see something that's difficult. It might come to our mind, how long, O Lord? And then, so he goes to God, starts out with how long, O oh Lord, and brings and almost like informing God of all these injustices and wickedness and cruelty that's happening in Judah, in the kingdom of Israel. So, um, and he is asking God, you are so righteous, but why are you letting these wicked things, these unrighteous things happen, right? Why do you make me look at injustice? Look at injustice. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? So he's asking his our holy God, why are you tolerate these tolerating these unholy things, right? So he kind of starts out with the classic question. Many people have questions that we have asked ourselves, kind of dealt with dealt with it and moved on. Question that is always lingering, maybe that we're always thinking about. So why does this good God letting these bad things to happen? And these are things that he's witnessing within Israel. So um this time, the kingdom of Judah is likely a, a, a time of wickedness, a time where they have strayed away from the law, this time where they have strayed away from uh, God. Uh, the temple might have been not being used, might be in ruin. So they have withdrawn from God. They are worshiping idols. A couple of sources I read, it's likely that uh, they were worshiping idols to the extent that uh, they were offering child sacrifices, something that our Lord really does not uh, like. He abhors it. So like things like that are happening in Israel, in Judah, right? Um, justice is not being served. Uh, the people in authority are taking advantage and uh, they are. And so uh, this verse, verse four, it says, therefore, the law is paralyzed. The law was given by God to his people for everyday life to govern them. Right. So if the prophet here is starting us saying, God, that your law is paralyzed, it is it looks like a very dire situation, right, where they have fallen away. Lots of injustice, right? 
lots of cruelty, lots of wickedness. And in the midst of this, seeing the people of God taking part in this, our prophet, Prophet Habakkuk, is crying out, How long, O Lord, will you let this happen? How long will you see this and not do anything? How often have all of us felt like that? How long, O Lord? And so he, um, and then so he's looking to God to answer, How long, O Lord? And lo and behold, our God does answer. The Lord answers, and the Lord answers this way. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards. Fiercer than wolves at dusk, their their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. And they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Habakkuk gets an answer. How long, O Lord, must I watch this? Must I see you not do anything? And God responds to him, I will do something. And I don't think this was the answer he might have been expecting. So God is saying, look and be amazed at what I'm going to do. So he's, God says he's sending these people as to deliver justice uh, or judgment, right? So who are these people? They're the Babylonians. Some of your texts may, may say Chaldeans, um, so, but it's referring to the same people. Uh, you see um, the language that is written here is poetic language, but it conveys uh, the ruthlessness of this people, it conveys the pride of this people, it conveys the violence of this people, right? Their horses are swifter than leopards, uh, their horsemen come from afar, they are more fierce than wolves. Uh, they come and gather people like the sand, and they're like a wind, they sweep past and go on. So it is a lot of imagery as to uh how fierce they are, how violent they could be, uh, how consuming these Babylonians are when they come and take over something. So judgment, justice is coming. Uh, it may not be the, what Habakkuk was expecting because God was sending, or is about to send or going to send in the future these Babylonians to deliver uh, justice. And uh, But the type of justice uh, is uh, going to be a very harsh kind of justice seem like because when another nation comes in it's normally to take over right to overcome to conquer so so Habakkuk has a complaint how long O Lord God responds the Babylonians are coming to deliver my justice my judgment and then Habakkuk has a second complaint right Lord are you not from everlasting my God my holy one you will never die You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. 
So here is kind of recognizing what God is doing when he's talking about the, what is God wants to do when he talks about the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Habakkuk chapter 2. And then he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So he responds to God and then he says, I'm going to wait. So how does Habakkuk respond? He is surprised, right? That God would use the Babylonians to deliver his judgment. So what is his argument here? Lord, I see that you're using them to deliver your judgment, but why them? Why these people? Yes, I cried out to you because the people in Judah, your people, the Israelites, are not at this moment, not following you, not righteous, dwelling in wickedness, serving false gods. But these Babylonians are even more unrighteous than we are. So why are you using them, right? Why are you using someone that is even worse than what we are to deliver your judgment? So that is his main question. You, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Your eyes are too pure to look at these Babylonians. So why are you using these people that are worse than us? Yes, we were bad. That's why I came to you. But you're using someone worse than us to deliver your judgment, right? Why? Why are you doing this to us? And why these people, right? He realizes who they are, right? Because he is probably familiar with them. He knows that they're probably a danger even before he gets this word from God. Um, they have So these are, I mean, the imagery here, the <clears throat> that they gather up people like hooks, uh, like like fish on hooks. They gather up people in a dragnet. So this is a tough, tough um, kingdom that is coming, that is going to serve justice, God's justice to the kingdom of Israel. And Habakkuk can't fathom that. That why God would send them someone who's worse than us, right? So, yes, we are bad, but why are you sending someone that's worse to deliver judgment? They should be judged too. They are worse than us. Why don't you judge them? That's kind of where he is going. And how many times have we been in a situation where we pray for something and the answer seems to be something that we're not expecting, right? And then we pray again saying we don't like the answer sometimes. So, similar situation where he's caught up in, where he asks for help. God says, here you go, here's my help. And he's not happy with the help that God is choosing to do. So, and, or he can't fathom why. So, and then, so he's, so he complains back to God, why these Babylonians? And says, I'm standing and waiting for you to answer. So then in chapter two, 
God responds. Okay. We are not going to read the entire of chapter two. I'm going to read from chapter two um, all the way probably till verse 13. And then we'll kind of summarize after that. Uh, the video did a good job of summarizing all those woes that uh, we'll talk about. Uh, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. So God is making it clear, write this down. So that people can read it, the people can see it, write it down, people need to hear this. So it's a very clear language, write it down on tablets, they'll be permanent, people will have access to it or send people or send a runner out to display it, to let people know what is written. So people need to hear what I'm about to speak. And then uh, for the revelation awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So this is chapter 2, verse 3. Now I'm going to read it in the ESV because I like the way it puts it a little better. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Okay. So keep that thought in your mind as we as we keep reading okay wait for it it will not delay it will surely come so have the have that in the back of your mind as we keep going on see the enemy is puffed up this is verse four his desires are not upright by the righteous person will live by his faithfulness okay that was niv we're going to switch to esv now verse four behold his soul is puffed up it is not upright within him by the righteous shall live by his faith. So keep that along with the waiting part. Keep the righteous, so the righteous shall live by faith. Okay. So those two things, keep it in your back of mind. We will come back to visit it, but I just want to get through the, the text and then we will come back and revisit those points. Okay. So this is verse five. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Okay. So now in verse six, it talks about the woes to the Babylonians. So this is God speaking woe to the Babylonians. And he's highlighted some five major things. As the video pointed out, these are five uh, types of injustices. Um, that the kingdom of Babylon was known for, but it's just not specific to Bar Babylon. As the narrator pointed out, it is kind of like a template for any kind of authority, any kind of kingdom, any kind of gun country where injustices like the ones that are over here, like uh, <clears throat> oppression of the poor, stuff like that are, I mean, we don't have to step out of our house or anywhere we live too long to see that there is some kind of injustice going on to see that poor are oppressed or there are systems in place to keep people where they are. So, <clears throat> But in the middle of all of this, um, there is this glimmer of hope, even when uh, God is saying woe to all these Babylonians, right? Uh, around verse 12, uh, he's saying, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord already determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? So in this context of 
nations and cities building things, establishing things themselves, establishing things for their own glory, establishing things for their own propagation or for their expansion, right? So countries or nations or kingdoms establish these things for uh, themselves, right? And then in the middle of all of this, God says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea, right? Again, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea. So even in the midst of all of this, that where God is passing judgment, that part is in there where the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth, that one day it the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth. That anything that these kingdoms are doing to build themselves up, uh, no matter what systems they're setting up to build themselves up or raise themselves or expand or anything, it's all in vain. Because at the end, it is the knowledge of the glory of God that will fill this earth like the sea covers the water. Not these kingdoms, not their ideologies, not their culture, but it is the knowledge of the glory of our God, the one true God that will fill this earth as the waters cover the sea. So, and then, so these woes go on. And then, so that is how chapter two kind of unravels. It's God saying, okay, I hear your second complaint and here is my response. I will uh, pass justice or judgment on the Babylonians as well. So we have this structure, right? So, Habakkuk opens up with his first complaint. How long, O Lord, must I see this? God says, okay, you're seeing these things in Israel. I'm sending judgment. Babylonians are coming. And then he's like, why, O Lord, are you sending these people? They're worse than us. Why are you sending them to judge? And then almost like you are using them to pass justice on us. But where is judgment for them? Because they're worse than us. Where is their judgment? And then God responds, here is their judgment. I will judge them. They will be taken care of. They will be judged by me as well. So there is an end coming to the Babylonians as well. And then we move on to chapter 3, where um, we get this glimpse. that It says it's a Habakkuk's prayer. But like the video program, it is this glimpse of God appearing and what that might be like. Uh, I will read. So this is chapter 3, uh, verse 2 onwards. So, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So here, uh, he is asking for God to do these things in our day, in his time. He wants to see them now, right? So we all like seeing things happen now. Uh, waiting is difficult. We want it now. So God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. His praises, his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of cushioned in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. So we get this picture that uh, God is appearing and it is just awesome. It is majestic. It is also terrifying and scary. So 
all these things are words to describe when God appears, right? And why is he coming? He's coming to deliver justice. He is appearing to deliver justice that uh, his people that have been asking for, that Habakkuk has been asking for. So he's coming to deliver justice, right? So um, were you angry with the, this is verse eight, were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow and you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows. So it goes on, but then in uh, verse 13, something interesting comes up. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. So I'm going to read verse 13 in the ESV. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. So he, so it says that God came out to save his people, to save his anointed one. We know the anointed one is Christ, Jesus, uh, the king that is coming from David's line that pointed out. And an interesting bit, right? You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. You crushed the head kind of harkens back to Genesis when God said that, that the head of the enemy would be crushed. So interesting tidbit. And then it goes on. Uh, saying again, like with his own spear, you pierced his head with this when his when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the stretched who the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard my heart pounded. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Habakkuk is seeing this or has his imagery in his mind, and all he can do is his lips are quivering, his heart is pounding, and he says that decay has crept into my bones and my legs tremble. Uh, I think any one of us who either see this or have this idea in our heads, I think that's all we can do is tremble, right? Because it is such a awesome show of power, but also a terrifying show that this is God that is standing and that he has come to save his people. So even in this powerful thing that is happening where God is coming himself to rescue his people, right? There are still so many emotions coming from Habakkuk. And then we go on to verse 17 that I opened this with, right? Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Yeah. So we go through this complaint judgments coming, other complaint, I will judge. And then we go and then we come to this vision of God that is appearing to rescue his people and set things right. And all of a sudden, uh, verse 17 comes in, right? Right after he says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. So he's saying, I will wait for the day of calamity, which I'm guessing is when Babylon's going to invade Israel, right? And 
they have calamity to come on the nation invading us or and and for calamity to fall on babylon as well so a lot of difficult things have been said about what is going to happen to israel and what will happen to babylon uh but after that the way it ends like it says one heading is habakkuk rejoices in the lord and his rejoicing starts with though the fig tree should not blossom so this is an agrarian society when you think of though the fig tree may not blossom the vines don't produce the olive fails nothing in the stalls no sheep nothing everything is done for everything is lost everything has been lost and he says yet i will rejoice um I can't help but imagine that when he was thinking of Babylon invading Israel he must be thinking everything will be lost. It would probably be like this like famine or anything where everything has been taken away. He's probably thinking of that maybe that everything will be lost. But he says yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. How does he end up here? He how does he end up here? He starts with a complaint saying how long oh lord, right? How long must I see this? you not acting and god sends him a difficult thing right and it's hard for him to accept that and then he says why are you sending these people and god says i will pass judgment on them too and he is he knows these difficult things are coming he knows there's judgment coming in israel there's judgment coming in babylon and he sees this almost uh, terrifying uh vision of god when he's coming to deliver justice and rescue his people and then he turns around and says if everything comes to nothing i will still praise rejoice in the lord i will take joy in the god of my salvation how do we get you so the key word is lament so the video showed us that the word lament is the structure through which that we should see this book so Lament is a new word for me. I've only been introduced it in the past uh couple of years or so. I've never really I know there was a there's a book called Lamentations but never really explored it. So it was a new word when my friends introduced it to me and then that's my first introduction to this word of lament. So what is lament? Uh the way I see it lament is going to God and being fully honest with him because he's the only one who can do anything about it so that is my own personal view of lament so why is lament important lament is important because we see the world around us right we see difficult things happen we and not just around us difficult things happen to us how often have we in our maybe not directed it towards god maybe but in our own thoughts how often have we sat there thinking how long do i need to endure this how long will this pain endure how long will this suffering endure how long how long how long lord are you not looking at what we are going through do you not see what is happening in my life uh so it starts with just as almost rawness because we are seeing something that doesn't seem right right we as christians know when something is not right uh, so when we see those things and we know that we serve a god that is righteous and holy and pure sometimes things don't compute right um 
How long, O oh Lord? Lord, you say you're a healer, but I don't have my healing. Uh, Lord, you say you provide, but I don't see that in my life right now. Uh, you say you reconcile, but my relationships are all messed up. How long, O oh Lord, must I wait? How long, O oh Lord, do I need to look at these things and see when you're going to act? So that is one of the first things in Element, right? We focus on God. Many times we might be alone in these thoughts and not really focused on God, but the first thing we do as we lament through these things is that we shift our focus to God. That is what Habakkuk does in the very beginning. He, how long, Lord? He doesn't think to himself, how long must I wait in this? But his focus shifts to God. How long, O Lord, must I wait? How long must I endure this? How long will I see the wicked triumph and the righteous suffer? How long? <clears throat> and this could be personal. This could just be things around us. We drive through Chennai every day. It doesn't take long before you see injustice somewhere in some form. So it is mourning. It is lamenting something in our lives, lamenting something in society. But the focus is it is not a complaint that we just... Um, sink in, I mean, that it's not a retrospective thing as in we just think about ourselves, but it is a thing where it's outward, it's focused on God. So first thing, how do we lament? We turn to God. Even if it is raw, even if it's our emotions, even if we feel defeated, whatever it is, we turn to God. How long, oh Lord? So, because it's the turning to God that takes it from a complaint to a lamentary. So there is a couple of things that, uh, as I was reading about this, um, that come to mind on how we can lament. So the first thing is we turn to God. How long, O oh Lord? Okay, And then you bring your complaint to him. So just like... Um, Habakkuk brought all these things. You bring your complaint, whatever it is that is heavy on you, whatever it is that is deep in your heart, whatever it is you feel that God has been not answering or whatever it is on your mind, what you are like, how long, O oh Lord, God, how long, O oh Lord, must I endure this? Bring it to him. Okay, bring him your complaint. Bring it to him. And then, so... um if we stop here where we just kind of come bring it to him as in complaint and then we leave, it doesn't really become a lament. It kind of stays a complaint. Okay. But we want to lament uh, in a way that at the end, our hope is renewed, right? This is not a process where we come, uh, we're complaining, we're frustrated, and then we leave. This is a process that starts with God, but also ends with God. So as we're talking about lamenting, so we turn to God, and then, so like, how long, oh Lord? And then we bring our complaint, our concern, whatever it might be in your life, right? And then it's important that the focus still stays on God, right? So we ask for help. He is the only one that can help, right? In anything we're going through, things that we feel like we're having to endure, he's the only one that can help. So, um, and then as we ask him for help, um, we have to almost end 
in a way where we choose to trust him, just like Habakkuk ended, right? Um, he's asked for help. He's come and he's gone to God, first thing. He's told him, given him the complaint, or he is a, he's brought his complaint, told him his concerns. Okay, that's true. Uh, we see a God response. And then because he told him a complaint and he asked for help, please pass judgment, God. And then God says, passing judgment. And then choose to trust. So after hearing these difficult things, Habakkuk shows us that he chooses to trust God. If everything is undone, if everything comes to nothing, yet I will rejoice in God and he will be my joy. So that is a lament. So here, more than just complaining, Habakkuk is lamenting. He's lamenting the state of Israel and going to God and pleading with God and asking God for help, right? And then God answers him. And then at the end, he still chooses to trust in God, right? No, because the answer he received was very difficult. That judgment is coming very harshly, yet he chooses to trust God because he chooses to trust that God has a way to do what he wants to do to accomplish everything for his glory and that he chooses to trust God in that. So, lamenting. It is... uh, I read this as I was going, so to cry is human, but to lament is Christian. So why is this important for us as Christians? Uh, we all cry. There have been situations in our life where we cry. Many, time, many times crying starts out with hopelessness and ends in hopelessness, right? It doesn't always end helpful, but lamenting is very Christian. Lamenting is very different and it's very Christian. Lamenting is only something that Christians can do because we have hope and we know what is going to happen at the end is that God will restore all things. So no matter what we're facing, we can always choose to trust God and be hopeful because we know at the end, God will restore all things and he is victorious and everything will be set right. So, that is why this lamenting is important to us as Christians. So like, even though if you are turning to God out of a hopelessness, out of a how long, oh Lord, must I wait? How long should I tarry? How long should I endure? And then <clears throat> that should turn to this hopeful thing where we ask God for help and then we choose to trust him because he is the only one that can do anything, right? He is the only one that can provide justice. He is the only one that can deliver. He is the only one that can heal, that can provide. He is the only one that can do anything that we need. So it ends with him. And going back, um, the couple verses that um, we were looking at in chapter two, I want to go back to. So, um, where the waiting part. This is verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Just an assurance for us that God will deliver. Um, We may have to wait, but God will deliver. 
right? So it may not come the way we're expecting. It may not follow any steps that we have laid out for God, but he will deliver. It's very specific, right? If it seems slow, wait for it. Be patient. It will surely come. It will not delay. It will come in the right time and God will get the glory. So that, so it is as we are lamenting, as we are asking God to help and putting our hope in Him. Now, what is our posture, right? When we're expecting God to do something, we wait. So we wait. And as we are waiting, the righteous shall live by faith. So we live by faith. We have put our hope and our faith in the one true God. Um, we have seen Him. Uh, we know who He is through His Son. So we know he is faithful. We know that uh, in the end, um, his son will return. Jesus will return. And in the end, all things will be set right. So we can live with this hope that even if we do not see whatever we feel is deliverance, we know that in the end, everything will be set right. So that is something we can always be hopeful for. And that is something that we can always hold on to. And that is a reason that we can always leave lamenting, but secure in God, where it just doesn't stay a complaint, but it becomes a lament where we tell God our emotions. We tell God how we are feeling. We tell God what we are seeing and how it affects us, but we don't walk away from him. But it's something that gets us closer to him because we know he is the only one. So, in the, so going back to the couple of steps on how we lament, right? So we turn to God, no matter what situation it is, we turn to God and we express our complaint. Whatever is not right, whatever is we feel is wrong, whatever has been done to us or not being done to us, whatever we're feeling, whatever sickness, whatever trouble is on us that we're enduring, we tell him. And then we ask him for help. And then after we ask him for help, we choose to trust him because he's the only one that is worthy of our trust. He's the only one that we can put our hope in and he will not delay. He will not fail. And in the end, everything will be set right. That is why we can lament. No other people on this earth apart from Christians can truly lament because we are the only ones that have hope. We are the only ones that know that all things will be set right. We're the only one that knows that I can, that when we look at injustice, it is not God choosing to look away, but he is working things out. He is working to restore his creation. He is working to redeem his people and he's working to set everything right. So we can look at those situations, take them to God and lament and leave with hope that he is going to restore all things and he will deliver us. So now, as with Habakkuk's example, we have to <clears throat> love God to be sovereign because his deliverance may look different from what our idea of deliverance is, but that is okay because he is going to do what he needs to through us, around us, for us to accomplish his will uh, so that people will come to know him. So. If it looks different, that's okay, but he will not delay. He will deliver us. So I kind of want to end this message with how I started uh, reading 
Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, verses 17 through 19. So, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me feel like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion, And to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.